All right, hey, well, good, good morning, guys. Good morning, church. You guys doing good? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Yeah, great. Anybody not get coffee this morning yet? I wish we had some back there for you if you need some. Uh, If we can uh, bring the house lights up just a little bit, Uh, I I like to be able to see faces. So, hey, my name is Taka. If you're new to the church, uh, we may not have met yet, uh, but my name is Taka. I get to be part of the team here uh, at the church. Thanks, babe. Um, That's my wife. (laughs) I was like... Yeah, okay. Uh, but yeah, so we're, I'm going to jump right in because we have a lot of stuff to go over. Again, if you're new to the church, uh, you probably realize that I talk pretty fast. If you're listening to the podcast and you are like me and you listen at one and a half or double speed, you're not going to want to do that today. All right, it's going to be like chipmunks, so don't do that. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to cover. We're in week two of a three-part series called Breaking Bread. I keep on wanting to say Breaking Bad, but that's not what we're talking about uh, at all. I have no opinions on that show. That's between you and the Lord. Uh, but while breaking bread we're talking about, well, I'll tell you what we're talking about in a second. I do want to uh, highlight one thing uh, that's important on August 26th, which I think is this Friday. Is that right? Uh, if you want to put the slide up there, it's um, Community Game Night. Community Game Night. So if you're wondering, like, who's it for? Yes. Okay? It's for whoever who likes to play games. So it's all sorts of board games. I don't know if they're going to LARP. I don't know what they're going to do, but there's game nights. It was really fun last time. We, we, last time it was a young adult game night. There were a bunch of people going, uh, I'm like 28. Is that a young adult? I'm 32. Is that a young adult? I'm 40. Am I young? It's like, just, just open it up. Okay? So like whoever wants to play games, bring a game. If you want to introduce a new game to people, feel free to do that. But it's this Friday. It's just a great way to get to know people. If you're going to come on Sunday mornings here and there, and I haven't really met community yet, it's a great time to hang out and get to know people. So that is happening this Friday. Okay, so like I said, we're in week two of a three-part series called Breaking Bread. Last week, Natalie talked about the disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus, uh, talking to Jesus and eating uh, together with him. Next week, uh, Raphael is going to close out the teaching. And just want to say kudos to Raphael. He actually came up with the meat uh, of this uh, series uh, like months and months and months ago. Uh, And we were like, that is awesome. Let's go ahead and do that this fall. So that's where we're at. Today, uh, we're going to talk about the fact that uh, life is relationships. Gary Smalley, you guys may, may know him or have read his books. He says life is relationships. The rest is just details. Life is relationships. The rest is just details. I think we, we know that to be true, right? We have so many emotions around relationships, right? There's joy that comes from relationships that nothing else can compare with, right? Like You think about this, that even, uh, even material things that you may own, have more value when they're shared with people, right? Like, I've always believed that I don't ever need to have a pool or a boat. I just need to have a friend with a pool or a boat, right? Because they can share that with me. My, my, my family, they're really, well, my family, except for me, I think even the dog is into this, but they're really big into home renovation shows, like Flip or Flop. Like, they go back and forth between home renovation shows and forensic files, like true crime kind of stuff, right? So, uh, so, yeah, home renovation shows. And here's the thing with, and you guys are into home renovation shows? Yeah, yeah, like four of you, yeah, right, more more of you, just, you're just shy. You're just shy. Um, but here's the thing, they go into a house, uh, you know, that they, in California, they bought for $800,000 and it's a, it's a dump. And what do they do? The very first thing is they're like, let's knock down all the walls, right? Why? Well, probably because it's $800,000 and like 400 square feet, but... They didn't, but they knocked on all the walls because they want to entertain. Why? Because their house is about relationships. Right? Here's, here's my theory. 
This has nothing to do with the Bible or anything, but here's my theory, and we can talk in 20 years if, we're, if, we're, if I'm right or not. I think in like 20 years, the next home renovation shows, they're going to buy houses that were renovated now, and they're going to go, let's build walls. It's like it's so open, and when you have a conversation in the living room, the people in the kitchen can hear you, and it's, we need to create partitions. <laughs> I, I really believe that's going to happen anyways. Um, but even if you think about this, like a kid, whether it be your kid, or it can, it can be, honestly, it can be a random kid. We've all, I think we've all experienced this. Some random kid, maybe you're walking out, and a kid comes out of the hoping out by themselves, out of the kid's area, and they drew a picture, or they learn how to somersault, or they something. What do they say? Watch me. Watch me, right? Why? Because it's, who cares if you can somersault if there's no one there to watch you do it, right? It's, it's something we're built for is relationships. On the flip side, there's no pain like the pain we experience in, in relationships, right? The loss of a car has nothing compared to the loss of someone you love, right? Think about the pain of betrayal. Some of us, we are kept up at night we feel anxiety. Even me saying that triggers you because you're thinking about someone that betrayed you, betrayed your trust years and years ago, and it still causes you pain. Why? Why? Because we're built for relationships, and we feel those things deeper than anything else. So life is relationships. And ultimately, what we're doing here as Voice Church is we're not, when we created this thing a few years ago, we started this church, we didn't go, we need to create a church because we want to have services. We want to do Christian karaoke on Sunday mornings and then listen to a 30-minute TED Talk and go home. Like, that's what we all need in our lives. That wasn't our goal. Our goal was always to connect people to God and to connect people to one another and then challenge those people to connect their friends to God. Not to connect them to a local church. I'm just as happy if you lead your friends to the Lord and then you invite them to the church down the street because it's a better fit for them. That's a win. We're not trying to grow Voice Church. We're trying to introduce people to God and then connect them to one another, right? So with that, if life is relationships, and I want to kick this out to you guys and feel free to, to you know, yell out, um, but what, what do you think builds relationships? In your opinion, what do you think builds relationships? Trust, yeah. Honesty? Vulnerability? Hopefully that drinking isn't coming through the mic. It's like gross. What else? Vulnerability? Shared interest? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you say tithe? Oh, it's like, I don't understand how that one. Time, oh, for sure. My old youth pastor used to say, he who spends the most time wins, right? Yeah, time. What else? That was all of them? Here's, my, here's, here's what I think it is. Food. I really, that's like unspiritual. So like, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, food. Food. And, and here's, here's what I, I, I'll say is, think about the people you have the strongest relationships with. College buddies, neighbors, friends, right? Someone you're married to, hopefully you like them, right? The people that you have the strongest relationships with are probably the people that you've eaten the most with. Right? And when you have friends that are like, hey, I'm, I'm coming in town. Let's hang out. What do you do? Let's go get some food. Let's go get some coffee. When we first launched the church a few years ago, I told our trustees, and they're the guys that oversee our budget. They see every dollar we spend to make sure that we're like not doing anything shady or whatever. But uh, I told them, I go, hey, guys, we're going to put a lot of money in the food budget. It's called hospitality technically in the categories. But it's, it's, it's food. Why? Because we didn't want a church that was built on church services. 
We didn't want to build a church that was built on um, how good the music was or how good the teaching was or whatever, how, how maroon the carpet was. Like, we didn't want to build a church based on that cool stuff. We wanted to build a church built on relationships, that we actually loved each other in the middle of all the messiness. Even though we disagree on some things, we still learn from each other and build relationships with one another and trust each other. Why? Because we've spent time eating with one another. And I told him, I go, look, at the beginning of the church, we're going to spend a lot of money taking people out for lunch, and taking people out for breakfast. And a lot of you guys know this. If we've met, the first thing I'm going to tell you is like, hey, let's hang out. Let's get our calendar. Let's hang out. Not like one day we should hang out sometime. One of those kind of things that never happens. But hey, what are you doing next two weeks? Let's grab coffee. Come over for dinner. Let's grab lunch. Whatever. Let's get together. If we can share a meal together, then maybe I can learn your story. You know, pretty often, probably weekly, we'd emails in saying, hey, what's your uh, stance on this issue? Or what's your political whatever? Or what do you even believe about this doctrinal issue? Or whatever. It's like a lightning rod issues, right? And what we always respond with is, let's grab coffee. Can I, can I buy you lunch? Because I'm not going to give you a doctrinal stance until I know your story. And, I, and I, can't, I don't know your story until we spend time together. And so I know the more important thing is, why are you asking what you're asking? There's something attached to that, something important to you about this specific thing. So let's grab lunch. Let's talk about it. And then I'll tell you what we believe and all that kind of stuff. But I want to know your name. I don't know why, why, why you believe what you believe, what made you who you are today. You know, years ago, I took a team to uh, the Middle East, to Morocco. And, you know, did you know that the Bible wasn't written in America? Do you guys know that? Um, it's actually a, some, you're like, some of the stuff we do, like silence and solitude and prayer, and it sounds very Eastern thought because it's Eastern thought. You know what I mean? So anyways, I was in the Middle East, kind of the area where the Bible is written, and I was hanging out with a missionary friend of mine, and kind of what I do when I take mission trips like that is I send the team off to whatever, and then I spend time with the missionary, the pastor, because usually they're going through it, right? They miss, you know, Tabasco sauce or whatever they can't get over there, right? They miss this stuff, so I give them whatever they, you know, ask for us to bring over from America, and then I just hang out. What are your biggest dreams right now? What are your biggest fears right now? What are you stressed out about? What are your biggest disappointments? How can I pray for you? How can we support you? The stuff that they can be vulnerable with me that they wouldn't be with a team. And so we did that, and we, I'll never forget the time in Morocco because we went out, and it was 20 minutes at least when we were sitting down before they even took our drink order. I'm like, guys, what is going on? And then it was like 45 minutes later after we got our drinks, we got our, they, they took our food order. And it took them like another 45 minutes to get our food out. And it was multiple courses of food. I'm telling you guys, we were there for like three hours, right? And if you're anything like me, you're like, there's no time for that. There's most days, if I don't have a lunch appointment, I drink like a meal replacement shake. And honestly, it's because it's fast. I can eat lunch in like three minutes, right? It's quick, it's efficient, it's good for you, it's fine, right? I or I just don't eat, and it's like, it comes at dinner time, like five or six, and I was like, did you eat today? And she gets on me, because apparently it's healthy to eat lunch, and she's like, did you eat today? I'm like, no, I forgot, I got, got, you know, working on stuff. So this thing in the Middle East was just hard. Every, we there for two weeks, every meal, like, like half our day is eating, right? And the missionary, uh, guy named Greg, looked at me, and he goes, you're having a hard time with this, aren't you? Because you know it's my personality. I'm like, so, I, I mean, I wanted to leave so long ago. I was like, is there like a taco truck we can swing through and get something? And he's like, this is how we roll. Because relationships are so important in this community. 
and relationships are built over meals. He would have loved this sermon series. So this series is about life that happens during meals together. And we want to be a church that eats together, not even like on Sunday mornings. We're not going to do potlucks on Sunday mornings, although I grew up in a Korean church where we did that. And you guys not grew up in a Korean church, but you guys ever grew up in a church, maybe a Korean church, where you guys had potlucks every Sunday? Right? Yeah, right? Awesome. So it's such good food. So, um, but we want to be a church that eats together. That if you meet someone new, a couple that you're like, man, we just hit it off, or friends that you hit off, or they game night on Friday, hit it off, then that you would just right there break out your calendars and go, when are we hanging out? When are we hanging out? When can you come over to the house? When can we grab lunch? That that would be a common thing for us to church because if we eat together, we're knitting our lives together. So today, today we're going to talk about Jesus and Peter. Peter, also known as Simon Peter. Uh, we start off in Luke chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, if not, it's going to be on the screen behind you. Uh, Luke chapter 5. I'm reading out of the NIV if you're reading that. If you are got something else, it's going to look different. Okay, it says this, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. He says, uh, or the, Luke writes, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He, was at the, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So this is, uh, does it say what time it is? No, so probably midday, late morning, midday, where the fishermen have been fishing all night. Uh, they're coming in. They're washing their nets. And we're going to find out later they didn't catch anything. You know, recently I was out down in uh, Ensenada with a couple friends, and we went fishing for bluefin tuna, right? And we had to get up before Jesus woke up. I mean, it was like so early. Like, I don't even know if it was early or late. Like, it was like that time. Um, but it was way before the sun got up. And then so we, by the time we got home afterwards— I was wiped. We were all just dead. And we had to like clean the boat and all the tackle and put it in the car. And then the captain of the boat was cleaning the fish, which took forever. And so I, I told uh, the guy I was with, Jose, he goes, he goes, bro, just go sit in the car for a little bit. The captain's going to be cleaning the fish for a while. I was like, oh, cool. I'll just chill there, read. I knocked out. Like ugly, like spit coming down, drool, like out completely out in a coma for two hours. I was out. Right? So when I read this, I'm like, I get it. I get it. They're probably washing their nets going, like they're already mentally in bed, right? Even though physically they're washing the nets. They'd fished all night. And they're just like, we're ready to call it a day. So Jesus, it says they're washing their nets. Verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, later also known as Peter, and asked him to push out a little from the shore. So imagine you're fishing all night, you're washing your net, and some rando walks onto your boat. It's like, Bro, it's not, it's not in the scripture. I'm pretty sure he goes, bro, what are you doing? And Jesus goes, goes uh, hey, uh, put out a little from the shore. And then he started teaching from the boat, right? And this wasn't like a 35-minute teaching. He was there for a while. So he starts teaching from Peter's boat. And you guys know anything about anything? He's, he's not trying to distance himself from the people. The water acts as like almost like an amplifier, Right? Any of you guys spending any time on water understand you can be 100 yards apart and have a conversation on, from boat to boat. So um, that's what's happening here. Then he goes, then he sat down and taught people from the boat. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Verse 5, Simon answered, master. So he's respectful. You know, he's a rabbi. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So just FYI, I know what I'm doing, okay? I'm a fisherman, got a boat, kind of commandeered it. My dad's a fisherman, my dad's dad's a fisherman. This is what we do, 
Right? I'm not good at a lot of things. I'm good at fishing. We fished all night. You don't fish during the day. You fish at night, which is when we did, and we caught nothing. My experience says what you're asking me to do is dumb. Right? Paraphrasing. Takis translation. But then it says, but because you say so, I will let down my net. Because you say so, I will let down my net. So the, the, con, the context of their relationship began with, hey, I know some stuff, but because you say so, I will. And that began the rest of their relationship where Peter would want to do something and Jesus would say, mm, I know something else. And Peter would go, okay, because you say so, I will. That's going to be important. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners uh, to come and help them. And they came and filled their boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Once he recognized, hey, this isn't just some random ra rabbi. This is, he calls him Lord, capital L, Lord. What that means is God sent. So he's saying, hey, get away from you. I, when I realize how great you are, I realize how sinful I am. Get you don't want to be around a guy like me. Get away from me. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch they had taken. So were James and John, sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. From now on, you will fish for people. And then it says in verse 11, so they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. So he said, hey, you're going to do something different from now on. And he goes, all right, I'm in. And all of them, sons of Devon, James, James and John, Simon, they all left everything and followed Jesus. Out of the hundreds of disciples that Jesus had, he had 12 that were his core. Out of the 12 that were his core, he had three that were in his inner circle. Peter was one of the three. He was the inner, inner circle. One time, way later, way later, we're going to skip fast forward through three years of ministry. Jesus had just uh, done the very first communion with the disciples. Right? They thought they were just eating another meal at Passover, and, and Jesus takes the bread, and he goes, he breaks, and goes, hey, this is my body broken for you. They're like, what? What are we talking? Well, that's a really weird thing to say. And then he takes the cup of wine. Or if uh, you're uh, traditional it, it, with Welch's, uh, and, uh, and Jesus goes, hey, this is my blood spilt for you. When I'm gone, do this in remembrance of me. And they're going, what are you talking about? Like, can you imagine going to Chili's with your friend of yours? And he's like, this Diet Coke <laughs> is my blood spilt for you. Every time you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. You're like, what are you, do you, you, you need help? You need to go talk to somebody, right? So they don't know what's going on. And then he goes and looks at Peter in verse 31, uh, Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Once I get to it, there it is. He says, Simon, Simon, also again known as Peter, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. It's not a pretty process. But I've prayed for you, Simon that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I want to camp on this for a second because I think this may be something really important for some of you guys to hear that have been going through something similar. Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. 
I've prayed for you that you wouldn't walk away, Peter. And then the next verse doesn't say, and you never will because I prayed for you. That's not what he says. He says, Simon, Simon, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, I prayed for you that you will not fail, but you will. I pray for you that you wouldn't fail, but you're going to walk away from me. You're going to give it all up. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus prayed and yet knew that Peter's faith would fail. Jesus prayed. God prayed. Yet Peter still walked away. Some of you have been praying for someone you care about. And they either have never come to faith or they've walked away from the faith and it's eaten you alive. Can I tell you? Keep praying. Keep praying. If it happened to Jesus, it's okay for it to happen to you too. Because the, the interesting thing is, and here's a part about prayer that I don't understand. I pray for people to give their lives to the Lord. I pray that people, every Sunday, before you guys come in at 9.50, and you guys want to join us, you're more than welcome to, 9.50 to 10.10 every Sunday morning, there's a group of us that pray for church that Sunday. And we're praying for things like, God, would people's hearts be open? Would they engage with worship? Would they put their trust in you? Would they give their hearts to you? If they've walked away, would they recommit their life to you? We prayed for you. We walked down the, uh, the, the, uh, the aisles and touched your chair and prayed for you. That God would impact you today. Here's the crazy thing. Can God make you open your heart? Can God make you follow him? I don't think so. So then why pray? I don't know. Jesus did. That's where I land. I don't know. Here's what I do know. God will not violate free will, right? So even though Jesus prayed for Peter, Jesus doesn't make Peter do what he wants to do. God doesn't want automatons, right? Because love cannot exist without free will. Forced love isn't love. So what God says is what his posture is. And what Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 15, like the prodigal son's father, is look, I can love. That's what I can do. I let the son walk away. But I'm going to love. And I'm going to wait. And when he comes back, I'm going to celebrate right? So that's what we can do. The person you're praying for, you're going, why? I've been praying for so long for them to return back to the Lord. I'm praying for so long for them to commit to the Lord. And why has nothing happened? Is this something I'm doing? I don't know, maybe, but probably you just need to keep praying and loving them. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and gave his life for us. Not in our best moments, but in our worst moments, God loves us too. And so in the moment when that person just makes thanksgiving super awkward when that person makes everything weird you pray for them and you love them just like jesus loves you in your worst moments find comfort that jesus experienced the same thing so what we see in verse uh, 33 he says so, so he, jesus says i prayed for you simon that your faith may not fail and when you turn back strengthen your brothers you will come back and when you do strengthen your brothers because some of them are going to fall as well and then he says, verse 33, Peter rebuts because he knows. Come on, man. I know what you're saying. I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to fail. Come on. I can never walk away from you. Here's what he says. Um, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. I'm ready to do whatever it takes to follow you, right? <laughs> I'm seeing him go, no way. No way. 
I don't know, for, for whatever reason, every time I read this, I picture Samwise Gamgee going, no, Mr. Frodo. <laughs> like, I'll follow you to Mordor. Like, I'll go wherever. Like, some of the geeks in the room are like, yes, let's read this Silmarillion together. Okay, so, um, but I, I picture Samwise in moments like this going, come on. No, I'll follow you till the death. Later that night, Jesus is arrested. And then in verse 54, just like 10 verses later, uh, it says, uh, it says this, it says, Then seizing him, Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest, Caiaphas. Um, and it said Peter followed at a distance. So Peter's like a little Jack Bauer kind of coming along, uh, kind of waiting for his opportunity to do something. And then it says, verse 55, And when, there had, uh, when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with him. First thing, a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him. This man was with him, she said, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. Verse 58, a little later, someone else saw him and said, you're one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. Verse 59, about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him. He's a Galilean. That's like far away. That's like a few days journey walking. It's like a few hours if you're driving. They didn't drive then. So it's a, it's a long way from Galilee. What's he doing here? He must be with Jesus. And then Peter replied, verse 60, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me. That's a strong word, disown me three times. Verse 62, and he went outside and wept bitterly. So this is what happened. Jesus, Jesus says, hey, I've been praying for you, Peter, that, that, that your faith wouldn't fail, but you're going to fail. And Peter's like, never. I'll go to death for you. And then Jesus goes, hey, before the rooster crows three times, that means within, like, by next morning, it's going to go down. And it happens just as Jesus said. And it says that Peter wept bitterly and booked it. Next time we pick up Peter, as actually in John chapter 21, he has gone back to his old life. He went back to uh, fishing. Why? It's what he knows. It's what he knows. It's what he was good at, kind of. A couple stories where he doesn't catch anything all night, but that's neither here nor there, right? But it's, it's what he knows. This is livelihood. It's what is comfortable. It's what his parents were probably like, see, I told you you should have a backup plan. Following this Jesus guy. Come back home, right? So he goes back to what he knows. He went back to the old habits. And can I tell you, maybe this is part of your story. Maybe whether you're watching online or you're here in person, maybe you're someone who you followed Jesus for a bit, but then, man, you messed up or, I don't know, COVID happened, you got new habits, and you went back to some old ways of doing things and old lifestyles, hanging out with old people and watching old things and picking up old habits again. And before you know it, you've walked away. Not intentionally, but maybe you wandered, but you found yourself at a place you never thought you would be, far from Jesus. And years ago, I went to a marriage seminar, and the guy goes, who's talking about how some marriages drift, right? Uh, and he says, that, hey, you know, some, maybe your marriage is like Denny's. He goes, he's like, what? He goes, nobody like, makes it their goal to end up at Denny's. Uh, you just wind up there. Right? So maybe your marriage is like Denny's. It's the same thing here. Maybe your relationship with God is like Denny's. You didn't want to go there. You just ended up there somehow. Right? You're at a place in your relationship with God. You're like, I don't know if I have a relationship with God. I go to church sometimes. 
but it has no measurable difference in how I live in any way. If someone was hanging out with me all day, they would have no idea, unless it was a Sunday, that I'm even connected to the church. This is Peter. Before Jesus, he was a fisherman. So when he denied Jesus, he thought, screwed that one up. I guess I can't do that. I mean, in high school, there's a guy named Josh who, um, we were seniors, and I invited him to church over and over for months, months, months. He finally came to church and youth group, and he gave his life to the Lord that Wednesday night. Super cool. Bought him a Bible, a uh, big one, uh, fatty, like one of these guys. Probably a little overkill uh, for his first day, but uh, bought him a Bible. Within a few days, he had given the Bible back to me. And he said, um, I've messed up so many times in the last few days. I can't do this. I can't do this. It's too hard. And for whatever reason, uh, that's burned in my head. And I think some people may be in this same boat here where you're going, I tried. Every time I try to read the Bible consistently, every time I try to pray, every time I try to tithe or forgive or get involved, every time I fall off the horse and I go back to my old life. Can I challenge you? Jesus has some words for you, which we'll, we'll come here in a little bit. Peter, Peter was someone who had his life turned upside down by Jesus. He was there when, when Jesus healed a blind man. He was there when Jesus uh, raised Lazarus back from uh, the death, from his death. He was there when Jesus took a, a, a loaf of bread and a couple fish and fed thousands. But he was there for all of that. And yet three separate times, Peter vowed that he didn't even know who Jesus was to people he never even met before. And he had to think in that moment, go, who am I? Like, who am I kidding? I can't do this. Then what happens, we pick it up in John 21. It says this, he's gone back to Galilee. Totally separate area. He's fishing. It says uh, this in verse uh, 1. It says, afterward, Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon, it's, it, it gives a rundown. Luke, or John is very specific about things, so he, he gives a rundown who was there. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, in case you're like, which... Uh, Pete Thomas was it, the one known as Dynamis. Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, uh, sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Familiar. Or maybe this happened all the time, he's just a really bad fisherman. Uh, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. So it was early. They were tired. Again, they fished all night and caught nothing. Barely light was starting to peek into the scene. And oftentimes when we're in situations like this where it's dark, have heartbreak, we have regret, we have confusing times, we have disappointment, maybe betrayal, maybe you did something really stupid and you've been eaten alive by regret and shame, it's dark. And a lot of times in those moments we don't realize that God is there. That God's there. You just can't see him. This is Peter, right? He's focusing in on all the, the busyness and we didn't catch anything and all that. They don't even notice that there's this guy on the shore. So uh, verse five, it, Jesus speaking, he says, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? One translation, your Bible may say, have you caught any fish? One translation says, did you get anything? I translate this to, did you find what you're looking for, guys? 
All these guys were disciples. James, John, son of Zebedee, Simon, Peter. They all went back to fishing after Peter betrayed and after Jesus was crucified. And Jesus calls off mature, hey, did you get what you're looking for, guys? See, God will give you space to find hope in other things other than him, right? And maybe you've done that. Maybe you've looked at all these different things. You tried buying things. You tried different relationships. You tried different lifestyles, different friendship groups. And I think Jesus is calling out to you right now, man. Did you find what you're looking for? That thing you bought, that thing you saved up for, that the applause you got, the, the career thing, the, whatever the thing is, the thing, the thing that you're going, if I can just blank, then I will be fulfilled. The thing that's like, hey, I, I got to pull away from some church stuff. I got to pull away from my relationship with God because I need to do this stuff instead for a season. And then you get that thing. Hey, did you find what you're looking for? Did you find what you're looking for? And around here, we're not like big into shame and guilt and all that. I think Jesus has a different invitation. So he says in verse 6, <laughs> sounds familiar. He goes, hey, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Again, Peter's a fisherman. If any guys have fished out in deep water, you know you're constantly moving, even more so if you're anchored, right? And so, oh my gosh, Jesus, we've been fishing here. You're saying fish here? Three feet away where my boat just was? I've never heard of this, right? So he does it, and what happens? It says, When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, and this is written by John, (laughs) which is so funny. So remember I said out of the 100 there were 12, out of 12 there were 3, and out of the 3 there was 1, which is John. And John wrote this gospel, and several times he talks about himself in the third person. Like like when they they run to the tomb, uh, it's like the one whom Jesus loved got there first. It's like, come on, just say your name. Anyways, um, so the one whom Jesus loved, myself, uh, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for it, taking it off. He was fishing naked, just so you can can catch context clues. He was a little naked, he was fishing. That could be real dangerous, depending on your casting skills. And jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. See, this guy on the shore sounded nuts. They sounded nuts. Cast on the right side of the boat, right? But they were desperate, right? So they tried it his way. Here's the thing. Sometimes following Jesus doesn't make any sense. I think most of the time, I'm a very logical, kind of right brain engineer kind of mind. So most of the time, I think Jesus, what he asks us to do does make sense, right? Because God is the designer of all things. So he kind of asks us to do things the way things were designed to operate. But every once in a while, he'll ask you to do things that go, hmm, right? So you want us to forgive people? I don't want to forgive them. Cut them off. Move on. You want me to serve people that can do nothing for me? I've heard it said that you can tell a lot about someone by how they treat people that can do nothing for them. So you want me to serve people on my day off? Why? Can I post on Instagram so these my friends think I'm a a servant-hearted person? I, I need some kickback from this. You want me to give 10%? Why? Back to, the, back to God? It sounds as nuts as a fisherman casting a net a few feet over. 
And I think what's happening is if Peter, imagine if on the first time or this time, Peter goes, nah, you're crazy. Can you imagine that? He would have missed the adventure of a lifetime. And I, can't, I, can't, I catch so many people, uh, you know, I've been in ministry since 1996, full-time ministry. And I've caught, talked to countless people who have been like, talk, I feel like there's no energy in my relationship with God. I feel like it's so dead. I feel like I'm just, it's just like orthodoxy. I'm just going to church. I'm just, it's just dusty. I'm like, okay, what's the last thing God asked you to do? Oh, he asked me to give this amount of money to this person. Oh, he asked me to serve and he asked me to get involved in a small group to build community. He asked me to, you done it? Nah. Why? Well, he asked me to forgive that person. I don't want to forgive him. Yeah. But maybe, maybe we're missing out on the adventure because we're not following God's invitation. It doesn't make any sense in the moment. But some of our greatest, our greatest memories will be on the other side of saying yes to things that don't make any sense in the moment. Right? You're never going to watch a movie about the guy who wakes up precisely on time, has a nice balanced lunch, gets home right when he prepared, you know, fought through traffic, and then went to bed after watching a couple episodes of his TV show. It happened exactly like, we don't watch that show. Right? We watch a show about the adventure. The ones where they go, hey, uh, the plane's leaving tomorrow at 6 a.m. You don't have to come, but if you want to have a life-changing experience, we'll see you on the plane. We watch those kinds of shows. We're like, get on the plane, right? Because we want that. And God's inviting you to an adventure. God's not calling you to attend church. This isn't the end of it. God's saying, follow me. Watch what I do through you. Way bigger than this little church. But will you say yes? See, most of us are missing the adventure of a lifetime because we're unwilling to follow God past our little boundaries of comfort and past our little boundaries of logic. We say, God, if we, if we get to the part where I'm not comfortable anymore, no. Nah. If, if we get to the point where I don't, it doesn't make sense anymore, I, I, I only follow you to this spot. And Jesus goes, then you're going to have a really boring relationship with me. So they get on shore. And what's the first thing Jesus does? He says to them, hey, bring some fish you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. And even so, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. So what Jesus says is, look, Peter, I know what you did, man. I was there, remember? I knew you were going to do it. I saw you do it. I saw you run away. Jesus could see the shame that Peter was carrying. Jesus could see the embarrassment that he was carrying. And he doesn't go, hey, remember that thing you did? What's up with that, man? Right? You don't go, hey, I told you. I told you you were going to do that. Grow a brain, man. Right? I mapped the whole thing out for you. He doesn't do that. What's he do? He walks days to Galilee, because there's someone there that he really wanted to encourage, someone that had betrayed him, that he really wanted to encourage. And he goes, hey, you want to grab breakfast? I'm going to talk to you about some stuff. And what does he do? He says, he goes on the next parts, so we don't have time to read it, but he goes, hey, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And what's happening here 
It's a very Middle Eastern thing, but what's happening here is he's restoring Peter. Three times Peter denied him, and three times Jesus goes, you love me? I know you do. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Okay, then take care of people. You did it before. You've shut yourself out. You've said you can't do it anymore. You, you, you've said that you, this life isn't for you because you messed up, and you did mess up, but I know you love me. So just feed my sheep. Don't overthink it, Peter. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Don't be overwhelmed with guilt and shame and check yourself out, disqualifiers. Just move forward. Feed my sheep. See, then he says something crazy and that I, I don't know if I ever want Jesus to tell me, uh, but he says in uh, verse 18, remember that time we read in, in Luke where he says, um, hope you remember, it just happened a few minutes ago, uh, where <laughs> Peter goes, I'll follow you to the death, right? Okay, so Jesus is going to remember that. Uh, he says in verse 18, he says, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He's not saying you're going to get Alzheimer's, Peter. What he's saying is, he says in the next verse, he says, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Hey, you said you were, gonna be, you were willing to follow me even to the death. It's going to happen. Follow me. And Peter could have checked out. Mm, I wasn't serious. Eh, I want to I retire. You know what I mean? He goes, follow me. He goes, okay. What ended up happening, church history tells us, is that Peter ends up, when he gets older, ends up being executed um, by crucifixion. And he didn't want to be crucified in the same way Jesus was crucified. So he was crucified upside down tradition tells us. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, now that you've experienced favor or failure, Peter, now you got a little bit of humble pie in you. Now you've been restored by love. Now you can lead with humility, not arrogance, humility. And you can follow me even on to death. So as you close, what does this mean for us as Voice Church? A couple things. One, maybe you're like Peter. Maybe you can relate to his story. Remember that there's nothing you can do that could separate yourself from God's love. Remember that. And you may look go, oh, but I, I'm like really sucking it up as a parent. I'm really doing a bad job as a friend. I'm really doing a bad job following Jesus. I just mess up constantly. Can I tell you? Join the club. It's hard because you see other people on Instagram, they're like, they're the best parent ever. They do like devotionals every night and their, their kids have translated their own version of the Bible and like they're organizing their little friends in elementary school to go on missions trips. And, and, and like, I feel like a failure. Yeah. Or like, Taka, if you knew the stuff I did last week and if you knew the stuff I watched on the internet, if you knew, yeah, you know what? God knows. And he says, hey, follow me. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. You love me? Feed my sheep. So maybe you're like Peter. Maybe you feel like you are not the person you want to be. Be gracious to yourself. Be kind to yourself. My wife tells me this all the time, so I'm really hard on myself. She says, be kind to yourself. It's like, all right. But first, I'm going to work out really hard. Be kind to yourself, right? 
Don't go back to the person you used to be. Don't go back. Accept the invitation God is giving you. He's saying, hey, you want to grab breakfast? I want to talk about some stuff. I think, I think you can do some really cool things if I work through you. Maybe you're not like Peter. Maybe you're more like Jesus. Now, before you get arrogant, let me explain. Not saying like you, you, you know, are like a God. Not saying that. Um, I'm saying maybe you've been betrayed by someone like Peter. Maybe you've been, been hurt by someone. And I'm not talking about abuse and all that. I think there's healthy boundaries and all that. So I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is maybe, maybe there's a broken relationship in your life. And God's saying, restore it. Restore it. Not saying you have to be BFF. Sometimes it's broken to the point where health would say, hey, probably shouldn't hang out with them every day. But you know the relationship I'm talking about because it bothers you. Even right now, you're thinking about it. It bothers you. Why? That could be the Holy Spirit saying, let's deal with that. Don't you want to be free from that? So reconcile. Even if that just means forgive them, allow them to forgive you, reconcile. You'll know you reconciled when it's not awkward the next time you see them at Trader Joe's. Okay, that's a good way to know if you've reconciled or not. Maybe, maybe they're a great friend that can be a great friend again. And you're waiting for them to call you and they're waiting for you to call them. Because you both want it. Reconcile. Reconcile. So, hope that's given you enough to bother you today. uh, To give you something to think about. And um, let me pray for, for us. God, I just, um, God, on our best day, we don't know what we're doing. God, I pray for a sense of humility in the, in the room. God, I pray that we'd be people that with humility and teachability and authenticity, God, we follow you. God, I pray that wherever you call us, like you did with Peter, for the moments that make sense, and especially for the ones that don't make any sense, would you help us to follow you fully, to say yes, even there's no, there's no plan to follow you, God. Would you take us on an adventure? One that will be, a, a life that will be, will be proud we lived at the end of our life, God. At the end of our life, we're not going to wish we were more comfortable. We're going to wish we had more stories. God, help us to write some great stories. And for those in the room who are out of relationship with you, if they've walked away or maybe they've never given their lives to you, God, I pray, would you draw them right now? God, would I pray that they would commit their lives to you, not to this church, but to you. And they find the hope and the peace that can only come from life with you. God, would their spirit re- be reborn. God, help us make a difference, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.